0: Today, we are going to read from the book of Jeremiah. I was talking to a Methodist minister in South Carolina many years ago, and he asked me what I'd preached on the week before. It was First Samuel something. He says, I don't ever preach from the Old Testament, and I never preach from any text but a gospel text. Okay, well, you missed Jeremiah. You, you miss Isaiah. You miss David and Eli and Samuel. You miss all kinds of things if, uh, you, if you don't look at the Old Testament every now and then. And so today we are looking at the Old Testament figure of Jeremiah, comparing and contrasting Jeremiah to some of the other figures within the Bible. But the thing about it is Jeremiah has a calling, And Jeremiah's calling is one that will take him through his life. It is one that will follow him throughout his life, which is not exactly a pain-free life. It's not one where everybody gives him applause and says, good job, Jeremiah. In fact, there are places in the book of Jeremiah where you wonder if he's going to make it. And if you didn't know the end of the story, which we don't know exactly the end of the story, Jeremiah ends up down in Egypt almost against his will because somebody has finally said, you've got to get out of here now. And so let's look at the beginning of the calling of the prophet Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, anytime you see, the all-caps word Lord, less frequently the all-caps word God, that is where the translators have translated the unpronounceably, utterly holy name of God, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. And so rather than the personal name Yahweh, uh, in, in our Bible translations, the word Lord when it's all-caps or God when it's all-caps, Uh, reminds us that, in fact, it's not just any old Lord, and it's not just any old God. It is the God who has revealed himself to Israel as the Lord Yahweh. So now, the word of the Lord, Israel's God, came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, "Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you says the Lord. And then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God who calls us, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight for you alone are our rock and you alone are our mighty redeemer and in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Jeremiah is made for a purpose, and God has told him, I have made you for a purpose. Before you were even conceived, I understood who you were to be, the role you were to play, what your personality would be, and the part that I was going to give you in my work in the world. You, Jeremiah, were made for a purpose. And so Jeremiah relates this. The word of the Lord comes to him. And the word of the Lord says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I had consecrated, set you apart, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah is not the only one who gets this sense that God has been at work even before he was thought of. Even before he was a twinkle in his parents' eyes, God was already at work bringing him into a world where there was something that God was going to allow him to do. Paul says something similar. Now, remember, Paul's story is a little different because Paul's life had a before and an after. Paul's life was before... I hate Christians so much they're messing up the Jewish faith that I have spent so much time learning and studying I hate Christians so much that I have gotten arrest warrants and I am going from Jerusalem to Damascus and once I get there I am going to bring the Christians back in chains so that's Paul's before but he doesn't get there something changes in between the before and the after but look at how Paul can still describe his own calling but when God who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles I did not confer with any human being And so as Paul is lying there, obviously something has happened to him. Everybody is stopped, and depending on on what we're reading, there's a sound, there's a light, and Paul knows that his life is never going to be the same again. Those around him don't have any idea what has happened until he begins to explain this, and there's, there's chaos, and there's confusion, and there's bewilderment, but... Paul's life has been divided into a before and an after. And upon further reflection, Paul can actually say something very close to what Jeremiah says. When God, who had set me apart before I was born, called me through his grace. And so we have this life cycle. We've got the little baby in the womb. Now, my granddaughter is right there. She, she could be right there. She could take steps, if only she knew she could take steps. She can stand, and a couple of times she's taken off without realizing what she's doing, but it won't be long before she goes from there to there. And then, you know, we get, we get all the way to, to graduation, and after you graduate, apparently there's a, a bank-robbing phase that every everyone goes through at some point uh, before we, we end up there at the grave. We've, we've got this whole life cycle of, that, that most of us will make our way through. But listen to what Paul and Jeremiah are saying. Paul and Jeremiah are saying, God called me way over here. God took the DNA that would make who I am and placed within me the potential to do his will in a specific place, at a specific time, in a specific context, way over here before I was even a twinkle in my parents' eye. So Jeremiah is called. He says, I was called from even even before. Jeremiah's response is, a, is an appropriate response. You'll find all through Scripture that when God calls people, the appropriate response is not to say, huh, well, I'm up for that, God. I knew I was the best you had. No, no. The appropriate response when God calls you is a response of humility and a response of, I don't know if I'm up for this or not. And Jeremiah's response falls right into this pattern when he says, Oh, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. Jeremiah says that. Moses. Moses led... To set the children of Israel free. Moses wanted to do that. It was in his DNA. You remember Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. Moses had the code to the garage door. And the security system. He knew where he could hide in Pharaoh's house. He knew how to get in. He knew the people he needed to talk to. Moses had this intimate knowledge of Egyptian culture because he had been an Egyptian of Egyptians. But when he found out he was a Hebrew and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, Moses intervened. And he intervened and he killed the Egyptian that was beating the Hebrew slave. And an arrest warrant was issued for Moses. And Moses fled Egypt he was far, far away. He got married and had children and, and got, a, got a job. And then suddenly on this job, there's a burning bush. And a voice from the burning bush that says, Take off your sandals, for the place upon which you are standing is holy ground. And God calls Moses to do exactly what he had wanted to do before. Rescue the Hebrews from the Egyptians. Now's the right time for you to do it. And what does Moses say? Moses says to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor now that I have spoken, now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech And slow of tongue. To which the Lord replies Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you are to speak. And here's where Moses' excuses get real. When we finally get down to brass tacks with Moses, we see that Moses just doesn't want to go. He says, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, your heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. Now pay attention to this next verse. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you and you shall serve as God for him. This is an understanding of what happens and what is understood to happen in the words of a prophet. The mouth of God speaks to the prophet. The prophet then takes the words of God's mouth and shares it with the people. Moses has whined and complained so much, God has added another link to that chain. God will speak to Moses. Moses will be like God in the prophetic understanding of things. Moses will speak the word of God to Aaron, who will then turn around and speak the word of God to people. So the idea is, God, prophet, people. And we've added that link there, God, prophet, Moses, Aaron people. So we have, we have Moses serving as the mouth of Aaron. So Moses is like, I don't really want to do this. And God says, oh yes you will. <laughs> yes you will. And then there's the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah gets this vision of a throne room in heaven and he, he sees God and, and Isaiah's Isaiah's protesting is this. He says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm unworthy. So we have, first of all, this this reminder that God is intimately involved in our lives and God is a part of our calling and showing us who it is that we can be to bring God's presence into the world. We have this idea that it's good manners to sort of object and say, I certainly can't do this on my own. And then the Lord's response is, of course you can't do it on your own. You can do it because I'm with you. And so the Lord says to Jeremiah, don't say I'm only a boy, for you shall go wherever I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Those of you who've read Jeremiah lately know that Jeremiah's life is not always a happy life. In fact, by... Jeremiah chapter 20, his life has become so difficult, people are not paying attention to them, to him. People are are, are trying actually uh, to shut him up and doing, doing physical things to him. Uh, by chapter 20, he's wishing he'd never been born. Take that day that I was born off of the calendar, rip it off, speak of it no more. It's one of several places in the Bible where people trash their birthdays. Some would say, as they read the book of Jeremiah, that he is, he is flirting at times with a suicidal ideation. And yet, the Lord's response is, Do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you. The Lord's response to Isaiah who says, My mouth is unclean. One of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah, who had been hesitant, stands up, having been cleansed by God, and says, Here am I, send me. It's reminded that when these tongs cleanse, when the, when the coal and the tongs that to cleanse the mouth of the prophet touch his lips, he is prepared and ready to do what God has called him to do. And so we have a pattern. Our pattern is a kind of a prenatal calling. We don't all hear it like Paul. We don't all hear it like Jeremiah, but each of us is made in a different way. And however it is that we have been made is a way in which we can bring glory to God. I love those traditions that have a catechism. Question number one, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of humanity? And the answer to that question is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. There's this calling that all of us have. The chief end of every one of us is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And then there's this realization we can't do it. There's this realization that the holiness of God and our own sinfulness are incompatible. There's this realization that this is a fallen world and that everything I do is, is done with the undercurrent, the background of sin. In it, our objection to this call can't do it, and God's voice. If I've called you, if I've equipped you, if I've strengthened you, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Which then leads to a life of obedience. A life in which God's will is what we seek to play out. On Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, Saturdays, by day and by night, we seek to play out this will of God. Which God has made known to us. Which God has prepared us for. Which God has called us to. It can be hard to figure out the specific calling God has on your life. We usually think of calling in terms of preachers. Preachers being called by God to be preachers. I hope most preachers are called by God. But I'm here to tell you that Melinda is called to be a teacher. That is where her gifts... And the needs of the world line up. Jonathan Timmons, a man my age, went to school with me, was scoring the basketball game for the varsity team on Monday night, and died at the ball game. He had a calling. His calling was to work with autistic kids. His calling was to be a strong man in the lives of young men in that school district. His calling was to be one of the first people everybody saw when they got to Hannah Pamplico Elementary School in Pamplico, South Carolina. His calling was to be a coach to the junior varsity team, and he made a difference. Because he followed that calling. For some people, there's the calling to be a good friend to someone who friendship doesn't come as second nature to. To others, that calling is to be diligent when it's easier to be lazy. God calls us. He calls clergy and laity. He calls leaders and followers. I had an elderly man in a church I served some time back who said, I wanted God to call me as a preacher, and I prayed for years that God would call me as a preacher, and God never did. But he said, here's what God did call me to. God said, I need faithful lay people in my churches. And I will do whatever needs to be done that I can do in this church. He said. God's called you. Some of you know what God's called you to be and who God has called you to be. And Some of you are at at these these points in life where they're inflection points and you're moving from one piece of life and one season of life to another and you're not quite sure what your calling is, but you know deep inside that each one of us bears within our own DNA this sense of calling to live a life of obedience to God's will for us. Will you, will you say yes to God's call? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray.